This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. everyone and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs. My name is Michael Connolly and it is my pleasure to be your host on this journey today and joining me as usual is my brother and younger partner. Oh, I shouldn't have said younger, I gave it away. <laughs> partner in Basket Casey goodness, Steve Connolly. G'day Steve. Hello, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's oh. my pleasure to be had. <laughs> uh, I'm terrific, thank you. Thanks for asking. <laughs> hey, this is great. We should just do away with the niceties all the time and just answer the question that wasn't asked. Blue. <laughs> but if we're talking cars, then obviously red. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, wasn't there a holy grail bit about that? What, what's your favourite colour? Blue. I mean green. Ah! <laughs> it's not a horse. It's just a man with two coconuts. Oh, shit. Now we're talking. <laughs> it's time to get in back into our discussion about strategic planning. And Steve, you don't know about this, but today I'd actually like to take you on a, a bit of a journey back through some of the things that we've discussed because I've got some new information. Yes, and I've still got bated breath, so I shall continue <laughs> I was waiting. You stink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get back into the how to do a strategic plan discussion, but I wanted to bring you up to speed with some stuff that I found out only recently, and it is recent. So this is stuff that happened in 2022, and what are we, the 20 somethingth of April, 2023, 23rd of April, 2023, which means that in 10 years, this will be a pal- palindromic date. Two, three, four, three, two. Won't yeah. It? Right? Hmm. It's probably a long shot because if you say oh, for anyway, anyway, back, back <laughs> to the story. Back to the story. <laughs> so I want to take you back to the big why. Remember our discussion about the big why. Mm-hmm. But I also want to join that in with the episode that we did about value statements. And remember, we were hanging shit on value statements, like when you say respect and integrity and transparency and honesty. Because seriously. If you've got to write those things down, I stand by this. If you've mm. got to write integrity and honesty and res- respect down as a word and that's your value and that's all there is to it, how the <laughs> hell do you live that? And by the way, if you haven't been living with integrity or transparency or honesty up or respect up until this point, what the hell have you been doing? Like, seriously? Yep. So it's just so common to write crappy words on a wall and then, and then well, there's our values. Live them. Live the bloody things. I have interestingly had a couple of discussions with clubs since the discussion that we had about values and have, you'll be happy to know, continued to hang shit on some of those types of value (laughs) statements. And in particular, one company that you rattled off some completely absurd sounding values from. And I understand that you've got a story to tell me about that particular company. And what our listeners don't know is that you've been holding off telling me this story until we're live. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And because we're in the same room, I actually want to watch your face. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Now, I'm going to have to be careful through parts of the story. And you'll see why when we get there. But let me bring you up to speed. If we go back in our time machine, and I understand that Jess has some time machine noises. So I'll just go... And then Jess will make this noise. And now we're back in time talking about Ben and Jerry's ice creams value statements. Now, what is interesting about this is that nowhere in here does it say that these guys make kick-ass ice cream. We strive to minimise our negative impact on the environment. We strive to show a deep respect for human beings inside and outside our company and for the communities in which they live. Do you think that anyone from 
within Ben and Jerry's was involved in the construction of these value statements, or do you think it was entirely prepared by external people? Nah, <laughs> Read uh, marketing now, consultants. Now what I know, it was definitely done by the company and done by Ben and Jerry, probably themselves. So they started the company in, I think, 78-ish. Okay. So they kind of look like aging, middle-aged slash aging ice cream eaters. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, but they look like they eat too much ice cream. They're, they're, hang on, hang on. This is Ben and Jerry's. There is no such thing as too much Ben and Jerry's. If you can still eat, you can still eat Ben and Jerry's. It is really good stuff. Uh, we seek to support non-violent ways to achieve peace and justice. We believe oh government God. resources are more productively used in meeting human needs and in building and maintaining weapons systems. We strive to create economic opportunities. Wait, why did they talk about freaking weapons systems? <laughs> See, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is why I wanted to be in the room with Steve <laughs> as we went back through this. We strive to create economic opportunities for those who have been denied them and to advance new models of economic justice that are sustainable and replicable. We support sustainable and safe methods of food production that reduce environmental degradation, maintain the productivity of the land over time and support the economic viability of family farms and rural communities. I want to know how they find the time to make ice cream. Well, okay, so... They're doing all these other wonderful things. So this is... Yeah, okay. But if they actually... So we hung shit on those and rightly so because I still believe... (laughs) I stand by my shit hangery. (laughs) Somewhere in there it should talk about making kick-ass ice cream if if that is their core business. So if we're doing this stuff through making kick-ass ice cream... Wait, wait, did they start? Doing something other than making ice cream is that what this is uncovering? No, oh God, no. it's still it's still ice this. cream, but it's it's how they make the ice cream and okay. what goes into it. Okay, so what you no weapon systems they do were armed during make. the construction of this <laughs> tub of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the salted caramel something or other, and the choc chip cookie dough. The choc choc chip cookie dough is my favourite, but there's a choc fudge brownie one that's got like the cookie dough it's got literally chopped up bits of fudge brownie is that the one with the late night guy on the tub is the fudge brownie one the late night guy on the tub i'm just going to leave that one there and i'm going to go and you know where i'm going we're going out this afternoon to get ice cream and netball i'm definitely going to stop and get a a pint tub of ben and jerry's ice cream okay so what you don't know is that ben and jerry's was sold in 2000 to the company Unilever. So Unilever makes hand soaps and dishwashing liquid and washing liquid and stuff. So it it is a very acquisitive company. It's a UK-based company, but they're all over the world. So they own Mm -hmm. brands all over the world. And in 2000, they paid the board of Ben & Jerry's, upon which I believe Ben & Jerry both still sit, $326 million. Holy Delitos. <laughs> Holy Delitos. <laughs> Holy Beepos. So, knowing how good Ben and Jerry's ice cream is, I kind of understand why you'd pay so much for it. But what's fascinating is in the sale of Ben and Jerry's, the brand, the board of Ben and Jerry's wrote into the sales contract that they continued after the sale to control these value statements. <gasps> that was a condition of the sale. It was a condition of the sale that they still be in control. So the, the point board the, as Ben and Jerry's. Oh, so separate from Unilever, and then they've got other brands around the world in different regions around the world that actually have the license to sell the stuff. Okay. So this is fascinating stuff because I didn't realise that. Why would you want to? 
I didn't realize they, they really love these values. They well, it's more than the values, and this is where it comes back to the why. So when you take th- those are value statements that talk about specific little parts of what it is that they do. Some of which mm-hmm. makes more sense as I go through it. But what is fascinating is that they are so in touch with their big why, which is demonstrated and delivered through those values. And the big why is yeah, we want to make kick-ass ice cream, but because we're a company that is doing such a good job we have the ability to do that and meeting these values. Mm -hmm. So it means like the one about farms, family farms, it means that they can pay the farmer, the dairy farmers, for instance, more money. So here in Australia, we've got Coles and Woolies that have a pretty much a monopoly of have had a large monopoly over milk for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when they pretty much guaranteed you could buy two liters of milk for two bucks for many years, it wasn't Coles and Woolies who were footing the bill there. They Mm. were forcing that onto the farmers saying, well, we're going to do this, and if you don't do it, other farmers will, so you'll just go out of business, which yep. is then what made companies like uh, Mulaney Dairies, for instance, mm. more boutique and bespoke. And yep. I'm happy to pay a bit, but it's because, again, because it's kick-ass milk, especially the gold top stuff and yeah. your coffee, I'm, I'm happy to pay a bit more for that. And so I don't buy the... the che- that, that's a, a, an economic decision that I've made personally, and I realise everyone's welcome to make their own decisions. Mm. But I was very, very thankful that... I, at the point where I couldn't buy two litres of milk for two bucks anymore. Yeah. I was happy when the price went up because I like finally these poor farmers who get up way earlier than I do and literally get pissed on by cows that they're milking yeah. don't get anything for what they're doing. And we've got a an example that's even closer to home. We've got family up in far north Queensland who farm bananas and for a period of time when the same sort of thing was happening with bananas, it was costing them more money to sell the bananas than it would to take them off the tree and bury them because of all of the process to get it from the tree into the supermarket one of the two big supermarkets and for the little amount that they were being paid for them by those supermarkets which is just yeah heartbreaking yeah and i think that sucks it and sucks yeah it's and then but it's unsustainable if it's not win-win yep. you know it's yep. not going to be a sustainable deal so you've got to have the business model behind that. So I was talking to Jess about this through the week because I was fascinated by it and she mm. was sitting behind me in the office. I'm going, Jess, you're not going to believe what I found out. And now I'm going to have to re- go and redo that whole story. <laughs> Don't, but you know, the, 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 it's still interesting that it doesn't yep. say ice cream and I'm going to stand, stand by that, but only because I've got to save some face in this discussion. <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, we're, we, we're, we're consciously coming back and addressing this situation or topic again so surely that's got to give us some some kudos yeah some some good faith points yeah we're happy to throw ourselves under the bus so she made the comment that ben and jerry's is very expensive ice cream and i kind of disagreed Mm -hmm. because it it costs a lot of it costs more money to buy a little tub of ben and jerry's than it does to buy a big tub of home brand stuff from the freezer section because there's a separate freezer in our little supermarket down here for a ben Ben and and jerry's Freezer. Yeah. 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 And it's, okay, so it's like 11 bucks for a quarter of a litre or something, but it's a really nice quarter of a litre. You know you're going to enjoy every spoon, or slash fight over every spoonful in the tub. And it's, because it's really good, they can charge that. So that's the value proposition. They're making enough money. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking just up Googling Ben and Jerry's. Ben I was Jerry's. wondering why you were drilling into the microphone mm. there, Steve. <laughs> that's one of my good shawls please don't ruin it with your dribble <laughs> non-dairy options Netflix original flavours Netflix and chilled <laughs> that's great oh, that's awesome I haven't heard of that one 
Oh, I wonder what it tastes like. <laughs> Let's find out. This is a great advertisement for Bennett. We've kind of gone back on ourselves in that we're really promoting the goodness of their ice cream, aren't we? Although, well, I don't Steve, think we ever questioned s- that. S- stop looking at the ice. Stop looking All at right, the ice. All right, I'm putting my phone down. <laughs> and I said it's it's about the value. So if you if you want a tub of... And I've had other cookie dough ice cream, and it is crap. Mm-hmm. So in a ice creamery, but when you get the Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream, it is exactly as it should taste, and everything else isn't right. So if, the, if I've got to pay an extra buck for that in the grand scheme of things, I'm happy to do that because it's so good. And per this, spoonful. Extra <laughs> buck per spoonful. <laughs> no, not quite. But if you think about it, when the company is able to charge whatever it is per the tubs and people are buying it, it means that it's the sort of company that has enough money coming in from what they do to be able to go and deliver stuff like spending more money buying the stuff from family farms than they could if they just did it en masse. Okay, to actually and make screwed it. And fa- screwed farmers over like everyone else. To make a genuine difference. To right. make a genuine difference. And then they can do the same with the other things as well. So one of the other things that they do, now remember I men- mentioned the chalk fudge brownie, mm-hmm. The bakery in Boston, New York, somewhere that I forget exactly where it is, that makes those, that makes the actual brownies that then get smushed up and put into the ice cream, employs the unemployable. So people who would otherwise not be able to get a job Mm -hmm. can get a job at this bakery. So it's people who uh, have served their rehabilitation period in jail. Mm Mm-hmm. People who are recovering from drug addiction or alcohol, ad- alcohol right. addiction. I'm, I'm imagining that it would also be other people who can't get a job. So maybe people who are older than the, the average people who get employed to mm-hmm. sell ice cream or make ice cream. And that, that's the bakery that is a subsidiary, a subsidiary part of the whole, shall I say, food chain of the, the ice cream manufacturer. But Ben & Jerry's does exactly the same thing. I think it was 2015 that they were quite publicly talking about how they're, they're doing the same thing. Wow. So when you think about it... So hold on. Do, does my chock fudge brownie ice cream here in Australia contain that, brownies from that, that I don't know. It's well? an interesting question. So whether like Asahi beverages yeah. actually make their drinks here under licence and mm. the Guinness that I drink here is not from Ireland. It's made in the one of our breweries but under strict... Yep. licensing conditions. So I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But regardless, it, we're Australia and statistically nobody lives here yep. c- compared to the other markets in the world. So we don't really matter. There's, there's a ch- <laughs> I don't know. But okay. but then there, to, something interesting for us to look into then it will is the same thing happening here. If it yeah. is a local supply chain, is the same thing happening here. A company that is competing only on price... Yep. And even a bigger company that is then riddled with bureaucracy is not going to be able to have the flexibility to be able to create a program where they can do something that other people can't do, other companies can't do, in supporting the local farmers, in making sure that they only sell into markets that are fair and reasonable in their in their opinion, making sure that they're giving people who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity an opportunity. Like, that's freaking cool. Wow. Now, that is. How does that relate to sport? We're talking about basket case clubs, not basket case basket case ice cream. There you go. I did it now. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm still worried about episode one. When yeah, we're going back to clasing <laughs> clubsing. It, let's take this back to clubs now. It, how can a club do the same thing? A sports club. Remember when we talked marketing, and I said that your pricing is a big part of your branding. Your pricing says a lot about what you think about yourself and how confident you are in the value proposition that you bring to your customers. Yes, customers. I didn't call them members. Mm. I called them customers because that's who they are. If you're confident in what you're doing and your pricing strategy reflects that, then you can do shit that others can't. 
and it just so bugs both of us, and I know I will speak for you here because you say it all the time, when people say, oh, we need to keep downward pressure on fees. Seriously? <laughs> why? When the rest of when your costs are going up, why are you no trying one's to keeping wear all the downward, cost? No one's keeping downward pressure on the cost of you doing business, no. guys. Yeah, nobody's keeping downward pressure on your insurance costs. Yeah. No one's keeping downward pressure on the cost of milk that goes into the milkshake yeah. you might serve from your canteen. Nobody's putting downward pressure on the chips that you've got to buy to put in the chip fryer or the, the, the ingredients to make your lovely middle of winter lasagna or minestrone soups. So why is it that you think that it's okay to just put plenty of volunteer time mm. into making up the costs? When, on the other hand, if you valued everything that you did and the, the self-limiting factor of not-for-profitness means that any money that you make is always then going to be reinvested back into what you do, then you, and there's only so much you can pay for better fields when your fields are pristine, better clubhouse when your clubhouse is pristine, better change rooms when your change rooms are brand new or recently renewed. When better people when your staff is all happy and you've got a wonderful workplace culture that that manages the link between volunteers and staff so what then what do you do that's when you go and become properly acquisitive but i'm talking about being genuinely altruistically acquisitive here so we can go and acquire other programs that mean that people who wouldn't otherwise be able to participate in sport and can participate in sport like a scholarship program we talk about this quite a lot mm. a lot of people's eyes glaze over but if we had enough money, enough profit, that we're building up the bottom line and we can't distribute that profit back out to members even though it's the members who put the money in, then what can we do? Those, th th There is so much opportunity for you to then go and do those sorts of meaningful things like Ben and Jerry's are doing, but with an allegory over in, over in sport, in, in our realm. And for those of you listening live who can't see Steve's face, I can see him pondering the opportunities and, and going, wow, this, there is actually shit that they could do. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's my little brain that you can hear ticking over there. Yep, yep. All right, so let, let's let's bring this little discussion home because there's actually more to this story, and this is it's this part of the story that I found out about that I found so interesting. There, so I, I'm not going to go through the specific details because it's actually quite complicated. But something happened last year, at, and I think it might have gone into 2021, but it was certainly through 2022. The board of Ben & Jerry's, having retained the rights to their big why, and as we've just read them, and the way that it was summarised in one of the articles from either the Financial Times or The Guardian or something, uh, the company's core values of advancing human rights and dignity, supporting social and economic justice for historically marginalised communities are integral to Ben & Jerry's identity. The lawsuit filed in New York had said, uh, this is how it had explained, the summarised the values that we went through earlier. But the board then warned that without the court's intervention, the independence of Ben & Jerry's board of directors will be lost and the company's brand integrity forever tarnished. And what they meant by that was that we no longer have the ability to control our values, to, to have influence over our big why, which was contractually granted to us at, during the $326 million sale back in 2000. So hold on, so sometime between 2000 and what did you say last 22. year there had been a some event or someone had yes yeah, so let's get into what that was because wow. this is where it gets interesting so i'm not really familiar with the underlying reason for the fights that go on between israel and palestine in the west bank i don't really know because it, and we don't have a large jewish population in australia so i don't have a lot of people that i can go and say hey can can we sit down for half an hour and can you mm. explain this to me and they'd probably say half an hour ain't long enough buddy yep so what was fascinating was that 
they the the Unilever didn't want to Unilever was going to give us uh, sell the rights to the the company that was doing the distribution was going to actually buy the Ben and Jerry's brand for that part of the world because doing business in Israel in the contested in those contested areas is difficult right across the board because do you, do you come down on the side of Israel or do you come down on the side of the Palestinians how do you do it and, and then you how do you, you are you then being seen to support one side or the other so what's interesting is that Ben and, uh, both Ben and Jerry, are, I think what they call themselves very proud Jewish people. So they had a problem, as I understand, they had a problem with the sale of their ice cream into the West Bank. And so they didn't want it to happen. And Unilever wanted it to happen. And so they said, well, we're just going to sell it to the, to the local guy because then it's his problem, the mm. local distributor, which is actually the local distributor is then actually a part of an, an American company. So when it gets to food, you know, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And these yep. massive companies, massive global companies have distribution rights or licenses all over the world. So complicated stuff. So, so that's probably enough of a flyby because I really don't want to get too deep into the stuff that I don't know about. But I just thought, isn't this fascinating that now they're taking to court 22 years after the yeah. sale, they're taking the, per, the buyer to court for not delivering on the values in the way that they interpret the values as well. So, and they have that authority to interpret. They, they have, look, it's settled. Okay. And the details of the settlement aren't public. I certainly couldn't find them. So I don't know what the settlement looked like, but I'm just interested in how fascinating it is wow. that a company, even after pocketing 326 million bucks, is happy, is still so wedded to the why of their brand that they will fight this 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 hard and this publicly to maintain what they see as the integrity of their brand. That's living and breathing your values. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think that there's... So the point here is that although we spent time hanging shit on the values, here's a company that's so in touch with its why that they kept the right to enforce it when they sold and they are still applying it. And what that means is that when you go through a strategic planning process, to bring this back to our little mini-series mini on planning, when you go through a strategic planning process, the the time that it takes... To the time that you need to invest in coming up with putting words around why it is that you exist and and where your values lie and, and tying that into the values actually becomes so incredibly meaningful and not just words on a page at the end of your, at the end of your, or beginning of your planning session. You know how many old school planning sessions get hung up on is it promote and foster and foster and promote, you know, <laughs> sessions where we're not. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, thank you for sharing this with me and our listeners and thank you for not telling me until we were recording but this has been really eye-opening and i certainly more deeply understand the ben and jerry's values now and i think that for what it's worth it appears less that they're just words on a page yeah. now you know that we know this extra information and even though, yes, I agree, we need to stand by our criticism of them not talking about making great <laughs> ice cream. The, the rest but of the stuff on there is actually makes sense because they live it every single day yeah. after selling the company. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yep. And they're not fighting because they want more money. Mm. They're fighting because they, they genuinely believe in something. And they're, it, it obviously, you know, we talk about hills that you're willing to die on. Yep. 
for these guys, this is that important to them. Good on them. Hmm. So despite how you feel or how we feel about the fight itself and the nature of the fight and who's right and who's wrong in this case, I just thought that was a fascinating story. And I was just, when I learned about it only on Friday, I just went, because today's Sunday, I just went, wow, this is amazing. So I think, because I think this is the only podcast that we've ever recorded on a Sunday, I was that keen to talk about yeah. it and also talk about it while it was fresh because I'm fascinated by the whole story. But then to be able to bring it back and say, this is look how things tie together you know yeah. we've talked about the values and and look just because of this story i think even i understand the to connect your why with your values because the values are how you live it every single day if you, and if you get them right and you keep pointing towards them and you make investment decisions based on it and you make hiring decisions based on them and you make acquisition decisions based on them like do we have a satellite venue do we go into a, a merger with another club or association it's it makes it easy to live your why when you've got value statements mm. that are there that are visible and you can see them and you know that you can live them. Yep. Steve, thank you very much. Thank for you for sharing. Today. I had a little bit of fun preparing for this one. So did I. I hope our <laughs> listeners enjoyed as well. So, of course, if you enjoyed this episode, you can let us know at cprgroup.com.au and there's a little contact button there. You can also share with us any ideas you've got for future episodes of Basket Case Clubs. If you're not already following us on social media, make sure you do so. You'll get us at CPR Group Oz and make sure you sign up for our newsletter if you haven't done so already. Steve, I think there's, well, you know, there might be there might be a thousand more episodes in this mini funny <laughs> yes. quote years becoming less mini of <laughs> on strategic planning but oh sorry and that had, it ties back to the pricing stuff as well so yeah. nothing is independent the, the Venn diagram is lots and lots of overlapping circles of covenants I reckon there's a picture in that oh, I still like our basket case logo as it is Steve thank you very much I look forward to seeing you next time thank you see ya Basket Case Clubs acknowledges the traditional custodians of the country on which we record, being Yugambir, Tarabal, Jagera and Kabi Kabi land. We recognise their enduring connection to land, waters and culture and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to First Nations listeners. 